You've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the quad today is Tim Yuma. Hey, everybody. Ashley Fitzgerald. Hello. And Roselle Rogers. Hi, everyone. We have quite the range of topics today. So, Roselle, why don't you start us off? Thank you, Lynn. Well, I came across an article about commuting times in the United States, and I thought it would be an interesting topic to talk about. Based on a recent study, the average commute time is about 25 minutes, which means that some people are commuting much more than that, (laughs) including what they call mega commuters who have over an hour long commute. My own commute is about a 35 minute drive each way. I know it's longer, but I like it because it gives me time to unwind and decompress after a long day. I know I've used some of the suggestions in the article, such as timing your commute so you don't get caught in rush hour traffic and spending some of the time to improve your mind by listening to an audiobook. (laughs) So how about the rest of the team? How long is your commute to work? And do you like long commutes or short ones? And what are the pros and cons of having a long commute? I know time is money, so (laughs) do you have any strategies for surviving long commutes to work? Yeah, let's start with Ashley. (laughs) Well, I have to say that this article made me feel really good about my commute because I'm not spending four hours every (laughs) single day commuting. Um, Yeah, I commute about an hour each way, and I personally love it. I think it – I always tell people if I had, like, a five-minute commute, I I don't think I could do it because I need the time – I am not a morning person, number one. So if I got to the office (laughs) within like five minutes of being ready to go, probably wouldn't be the best person to be around. So um, I love having that time just to gear myself up. In fact, when people call me in the morning, I don't answer my phone either because it's my time to get ready for the day. And then, like you said, Roselle, at the end of the day, really using that time to kind of decompress. And yeah, time is money for the, how they noted in the article with people, you know, being able to take the bus and be mm-hmm. able to work on the train and things like that. But I feel like that's when I also drum up the best ideas or, um, sure. you know, things like that. So I often am thinking about work more so than actually doing work and thinking about new approaches or solutions to different things. And yeah, so I, I'm in favor of long commutes. <laughs> Good points, Ashley. I uh, I don't have too long of a commute, really. Um, I did in the past when I would go from, uh, for those who know the Wisconsin area, and I'd go from Waukesha down to Oak Creek. Um, and, you know, 5.30 is just brutal time around there. But I can't stand being in cars for a long period of time. I just I just don't like it. Uh, I, I completely understand the points that, that you two have brought up. The big thing for me, though, is when I am usually going home or even coming in, a lot of times I'll just have just silence, just kind of that time to just really? no radio, no nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, it depends on the day, but um, I think, you know, actually you kind of alluded to it, just kind of get your thoughts clear a little bit and and uh, maybe you you have that time to sort of take a step back and evaluate things on the grand scope, so to speak. But uh, overall, I, I'd prefer, if I had a five-minute commute, I'd, I'd love it. Mm-hmm. When, whenever we get, you know, teleporting down, I am... <laughs> I'm going to be first in line to take advantage of that. Um, and I get it, though, because I've, I've had people who I know have taken a train or a bus, and they love it because they can, they're doing work then. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're driving, I encourage people <laughs> not to be doing that. <laughs> I've seen things similar. But, uh, but so I can see it both ways, definitely. And it seems like people, because it's been that way for a while now, I think, where a lot of individuals are commuting, we've adapted just as a society to realize there are these benefits to it. Let's look at it that way as opposed to, oh. 
I got to drive this long. So I think it's been a kind of a nice evolution from the workforce here. I'm definitely in Tim's camp in right. terms of the commuting. <laughs> so I have a short commute and it's basically city streets on top of it. So from door to door, it's pretty short. Um, I know uh, when I get the opportunities to work from our D.C. office, I actually can walk to work. And hmm. that's great when it's a beautiful day. But when right. it's raining and you're dealing with an umbrella, that can be a challenge. <laughs> Um, I'm with Ashley, though. I do a lot of thinking about work, and I always joke. It's kind of like I get some of my best work ideas, I think, as I'm driving home because I can't turn off. You know, my mind is like racing. The unfortunate thing is then I'm like tired by the time I leave because <laughs> I, I got to be one of those people, and I think it was referenced in the article. I actually changed my work hours many years ago. It was based on when there wasn't a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. So I tend to come in earlier to skip traffic and I leave later. Yeah. So it extends the workday. I get my stuff done, but um, then I'm tired when I leave. And sometimes I think, Ashley, you and I are leaving at the same time. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, if I had an hour <laughs> right now, I think I'd be, you know, I have to work to keep my eyes open. <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, some of the, in the articles, I was like, I couldn't imagine some of these people getting right. up, you know, two, three, four hours one way. Mm. Yeah. Some yeah. of them are like triathlons. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it is, hey, kudos to those people. Absolutely. That they must, you know, you, you go where you can find your dream job, I guess. Yeah. That's true. 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 Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Rosa. That was a, that was an interesting topic. Thank you. All right, so once we get to work, <laughs> we want to make sure we stay at work and we're successful. So I'm not really sure that this is the best lead-in to Tim's topic, but you know I, I'm struggling here, so yeah. I'm just giving it off to you. There's probably not a good lead-in, I'll admit it. <laughs> I, uh, I came across an article, and actually I had, I'd done a show on this before, and uh, I think it's valuable in just the thought process of maybe giving individuals some tips or uh, things to look out for that potentially their job might be in jeopardy. And as I when I sent out this idea, I said, you know, maybe it sounds a little, little morose, little gloomy, but uh, but I think it's valuable in that sometimes it does come out of the blue on somebody, and and it's unfortunate. Other times, there's clearly a progression going on or a regression, and uh, and people just don't see it or they don't recognize it because sometimes you can't you know you can't see the faults in your in your own work or in your own personality. But I wanted to get the take of three experienced individuals here of what would be some signs that potentially you know, this person is on the outs or they're sort of, um, you know, on probation, on double secret probation that they don't even know about to give those individuals a heads up like, hey, maybe it's a wake up call. You need to step up your game. You need to change what you're doing. Um, you're, you're complacent. You're, you're thinking that you're, you're invincible in some way. Um, because I think that does happen the longer you're at a place if you're not, you know, moving up necessarily. So just, I wanted to be able to get it out there for individuals in case they're in that spot and they don't want to be, obviously. Well, my thoughts are if you're going to be let go due to your performance, chances are you will see the writing on the wall mm -hmm. before it happens. Um, how are you rated at your last performance review? I'd use that as a barometer. Uh, and if your rating was less than satisfactory, uh, to me, that's a sign that you really need to step up your game. And even if your boss didn't say that your job could be in jeopardy, I'd take that as a sign. And if I was in that situation, I'd be working hard to do things right. 
I, I would not be missing any deadlines. I'll be checking in with my boss regularly. Mm-hmm. And that's key to me. You have to check in with your boss. Make sure you're meeting expectations. Make sure you're on the same page as everybody. Because your boss is your best resource, really. So it's good to have that good communication and good relationships with, with your boss. Now, if it's due to, let's say, external factors, like maybe your company is going through some turmoil, learn to read the signs and be proactive. <laughs> uh, if 20 employees were laid off from your department alone in the last couple of weeks, I would be asking questions. Sure. So if you have that good relationship with your supervisor, you can approach your supervisor and have a good conversation, an honest conversation, just to find out you know, what is the chance that those layoffs or further cuts might affect your position. Just be prepared, though, that they may not be at liberty give you that information. Mm-hmm. So I'd still try to do my job as best as I can, because that's the best way to save your job. <laughs> uh, but I'll also be proactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if you haven't really looked at your resume in a long time, mm-hmm. it might be time to be dusting that <laughs> resume as well. Yeah, I kind of went a little bit off of um, Roselle and the fact that there's been a lot of trends with industries in that might key you into an awareness of, hmm, maybe this industry isn't going to be around too much longer and I should maybe be paying attention to that because my job could be, um, you know, I could be let go from it just due to those pieces. And then taking the flip side of that is, again, kind of the performance reviews. I think it's really important that, you know, if you're not getting performance reviews, that you almost prompt for one to make sure that you are on the same page as your boss or your manager, because you never know where they're at compared to where you're at. Um, so it is always good to be receiving that feedback. What else could I be doing better in my role? You know, are you, are, do you see anything else? I mean, because that's just showing that you're trying to make efforts. And personally, I feel like, you know, if you start to have tasks reassigned from you or mm-hmm. taken away from you. If you start losing you, things. Yep, yeah. If you start mm-hmm. losing things, that's usually <laughs> not a good sign. And that's mm-hmm. when you should start asking questions. What can I do to, to make this better? How mm-hmm. how can I help you even more? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say those things. Yeah. So to piggyback off of what Ashley was saying, I was thinking, yeah, ask for new assignments You know, and if you have a sense that your coworkers are getting a lot of new assignments and they're not coming your way, you know, then go in and ask the ask that tough question that you may not want the answer to. You know, talk with your manager and say, is something going on here that I that I'm not aware of? And if I am on shaky ground, can you work with me to to make it right? Mm I think the one good thing I know that I'm familiar with here and I'm familiar with at my previous employer, there was a, a process that was that went through in terms before someone was let go. Sure. And it was a real partnership and we want to work with you to make you successful here. And then it was the onus was put on the individual. It's like if this job is important to you, then you're going to do everything and more to um, to get the the behaviors and the work and the results that are needed in order to succeed, you know, to stay here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. I think um, I think most quality employers will have a process like that because I think, as most of us know, to have to let somebody go and then have to hire someone is yes. I mean, time and money that goes into that. I mean, the employer doesn't want to do that. And again, I think in most places you are going to have that set up. Um, it's just you know, for whatever reason. Obviously, if you had some sort of 
egregious falling out for whatever reason that might be a sign. Um, and Roselle, I, I like the the idea that you brought up that looking for those larger signs. It's not necessarily about you, but about what's going on. I recall when I did a show on it, they talked about if a bunch of like your perks kind of start getting taken away, like all of a sudden you're not having the lunches, you're not having the parties. Oh. <laughs> um, now that might not always be the case, but again, as all of you talked about communication, just ask, hey, what's going on with that? You know, and maybe you get some sort of inside information to give you that clue. But um, but I think, yeah, I think you all gave some great examples of both things to look out for personally as a company and then ways to make sure that you aren't on the out. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is there are still the situations you hear about. I know it happened um, with someone I know recently where out of the clear blue, you know, they were just let go. And it was there was all this background company stuff going on that they had no that they had no clue on. And sometimes it's it's not even because of financial failing. It is because of companies merging, which is happening all the time. And if you have two collections departments, you you really don't need to. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a business decision that will be made. Yeah. Yeah. So good luck. Localjobnetwork.com is there (laughs) (laughs) when you need us. All right. So Ashley and I actually took some current events and we put a workplace spin to them. So Ashley, I found your topic interesting. So let's start with yours. Sure. So the other day I was actually in the lunchroom and I overheard um, uh, some conversations on the news about schools are getting rid of homework and here's why they're getting rid of homework. And it just stopped me because I'm like, what? Why would we get rid of homework? What is that teaching kids these days that they don't have to do anything after they're done with school? And um, so I I had to research it a little bit more and find out what was going on. And um, so I did look, you know, just as an article. And the thing that really stood out to me in the article was it said that there's there's kind of a divide between parents right now. There's the parents that want their kids to be very, very scheduled, very, very driven, ambitious, focused at school. And those are the people that want their kids to have homework. And then there's the parents who want more of a child-centered life um, with their kids. And so they want their kids to explore different aspects of life and just really have more free time overall. And so I thought it would be interesting to take those thoughts into the workplace and, you know, like I said, what are we really teaching kids at this point that at the, at five o'clock you're done? You're done with work because that's not the case in many different industries and many different companies. So I wanted to grab your feedback and see what you think, how this could essentially affect the workplace in the future. Let's start with the two parents. <laughs> well, I think some homework is good. I do think that there needs to be a balance. You don't want too much homework that it takes the joy out of learning. Especially for young kids, you don't want to burden young kids with a lot of homework because that's when they're still trying to learn to love school. I think having homework teaches kids responsibility, teaches them structure and accountability, that they have to do it right after school. They couldn't watch Mm -hmm. TV or play until after it was done. And it helps establish good study habits. And they learn to be disciplined about their time. And it's good preparation for college and for their future career. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, it's uh, it's timely for our, us as well. I uh, I have a one son in kindergarten and one in fourth grade. And last year, when the fourth grader was in third grade, he had a ton of homework every night, pretty much. And it did get cumbersome, and we did feel like you know he's not not having the opportunity to do other things. He gets anxious about it because he wants to do well, and you know as a lot of firstborns are, especially. <laughs> uh, and now this year. Our kindergartner has homework. Now, it's really basic stuff, obviously, and it's done in in 10 minutes, and that's fine. But our fourth grader doesn't have any homework. For the most part, that's been the teacher's philosophy is, hey, do the work in school. Now, he does stay after school 
um, and he gets his work done on his own. So that's part of what you're talking about, Roselle, kind of that, you know, taking responsibility and the accountability for it. Um, so I'm with you in that camp where there, there should be some balance. I do appreciate the idea of, especially with young kids, giving them the opportunity to just create more and not have this structured, well, you know, here's your sheet to do the homework. Is that really teaching anything? I don't mm-hmm. know. Is that more memorization than it is learning? Um, we went through this when I, I taught for a couple of years and it was mandated that the kids always have homework to take home. And um, with those kids, they didn't always, a lot of times, have parents to help them at home. Mm-hmm. So I a lot of times didn't necessarily follow what the school's policy was. <laughs> and I made sure that they did their work there. And I would send them stuff home that they could just work on. And if they didn't, fine. You know, I understand their, their home situation. So, um, you know, it's going to come down, obviously, to what the parents feel, as you mentioned, Ashley, as far as, um, you know, where their ambitions are and how much they push them. As far as the future impact, you know, it's it's tough to gauge um, with technology. I think that's where a lot of the learning should focus um, because, I mean, obviously we use it so much and, and utilizing that, whether it's for homework or for creativity. Um, I think as long as the focus of some of the work is, is there, I think you're good either way um, because I think that's where a lot of the jobs are going um, and being able to understand that side of it. You know, I, I don't really have a great handle on it personally as far as is the future impact. I could see it going either way. And um, you know, I would just say to the parents out there, read, read your child. If, if they're more of the creative type, maybe pull back on some of that stringent academic side. And if they are more of the, the type that likes that, then, then push that and push it forward because that's probably what they're going to end up doing in some way in their career. Yeah, I found it interesting like you did, Ashley, just from a work perspective, that at least here, our the end of our day doesn't necessarily end at you know, five o'clock or whenever the closing bell is, you know, it's not like you can always get your work done. I mean, you strive for that. But, you know, I've like did so much homework in um, high school and college that I was like looking forward to getting a job because (laughs) I'm like, oh, my days are going to be like so much easier. And actually, it was funny because um, my mom actually talked to my school principal when I was a senior because I had so much homework and I was spending so much extra time. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I was taking a lot of classes and I really I don't think I could have learned everything I learned from eight o'clock until three o'clock. Right. That's when my school hours were. So the thought of like no homework, I'm like, how do you learn all that? <laughs> That's the part that just kind of throws me. But I think um, when I was in school, I I think I retained a lot. Mm -hmm. It's interesting now with younger people, they tend to, I'll just Google it. You know, if I don't know it, I'll just Google it. And I'm like, well, don't you want to know, like, who the first president of the United States was? (laughs) You know, without Googling it. Right. That's a good point. You know, I don't know. This is an interesting one. And I think as as this concept starts rolling Mm -hmm. over into the workplace, you know, we'll have a whole nother. I don't know. We've got millennials now, right? Yeah. What's going to be that are entering? Yeah. What are these people going to be? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Let's move on to our last topic of the day. And so I got inspiration for a topic from a New York Yankees shortstop, Derek Jeter. So, Tim, I thought maybe you'd like this topic, <laughs> being a baseball fan. A little bit. Um, so Derek Jeter just retired after 20 years uh, as the shortstop for the New York Yankees. And I think the last year as he went to visiting um, 
clubhouses and stadiums. He really was greeted and wished well um, based on his career. And it actually, I found it quite inspiring um, how people were wishing him well and how just his mannerisms and professionalism. And um, I found a quote by him, and I thought we could kind of take it from there. So Derek Jeter said, I wanted to thank everyone here. I've said it time and time again. Everybody is chanting, thank you, Derek. And I'm thinking to myself, for what? I'm just trying to do my job. Thank you, guys. You know, and I thought, that is his job. Mm -hmm. Um, But what lessons learned can we take from that situation and put it into our more regular work days? Did anyone have any thoughts? Well, I kind of just off off of reading that quote, I um, kind of thought, wow, you know, he is really looking at this as his job, and, and it is. Um, but other people don't always think about right. it. Like, oh, you're having fun. You're playing baseball. How is this a job? But really bringing it back to the workplace is more you should really understand that it's not – it's because of the rest of your coworkers that – you are successful or that you're in the role that you're in or that you even have a job to begin with. And so it really is, you know, don't thank me for my job that I'm doing. Thank you to everybody else in the organization or the company because that's why I'm here and helping to push things forward. So I think it does kind of ring um, for everybody, his quote. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a good that was a good spin. Thanks. <laughs> I thought Rizal? he was very magnanimous. I mean, he thanked the people who made it all possible who cheered him on, who challenged him, including those who booed him. He thanked <laughs> them all because he wouldn't be where he was mm-hmm. if not for everybody who, who made it all possible. So he let his work and legacy speak for itself, and he didn't burn any bridges that way. So I thought that was well handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. I, I was never really necessarily a Derek Jeter fan. And maybe <laughs> it's because he was with the Yankees, and, and yes, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um <laughs> But a couple of things stand out just from him in general that you can take. Uh, you talk about class and kind of doing things the right way. Um, you know, he was very competitive, but he never, you know, he wasn't showing people up. He wasn't talking about, you know, talking behind people's back. He wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. He he did things the right way and going about your business, doing his job. You know, obviously he had a great passion for for playing and he always wanted to play for the Yankees. And that's another lesson to take away that, you know, no, we can't all necessarily have the dream job we wanted when you're five years old, but it does happen. Or you can find that passion that you have and carve out a niche for yourself. And and I think that that was that's what allows you to do something for 20 years or obviously with an athlete, the, the lifespan yeah. of your mm-hmm. career is shorter. So 30, 40 years. Um, so I think there's a couple of things you can take from him. And, and all of you have mentioned, you know, that, I mean, even his opponents and and just about everybody, even if they didn't like him, they respected him. They, they appreciated what he brought to the table. And, and you could see that as, as his career wound down. And, um, you know, Maybe fairy tale a little bit because he had his last at bat at Yankee Stadium was a game winning <laughs> base hit in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, um, you know, it, it's something to strive for and somebody that you can definitely respect. Sometimes uh, athletes and celebrities, you, yeah. <laughs> the respect is lacking, but he's somebody that you definitely can look to that way. And um, as all of you mentioned, bring it to your own workplace and kind of have that same attitude. Yeah, and I would just like to add too. I um I think it's good to as our own coworkers retire or decide to move on for whatever reason. Um, it's kind of good to give them a big send off too. You mm-hmm. know, maybe not a whole stadium full of people <laughs> chanting their names, but um, just a way to recognize um the contributions that they have made to the organization and not to. Uh, you know, to take time out to do, to wish them well and not just to 
move on with our everyday life and say, oh, you don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) Yes. So. All right. Well, always nice to hide away in the studio for a bit with all of you here and throughout the country. As always, feel free to send a message to LGN Radio at localjobnetwork.com and let us know what you would like us to talk about in the LGN Radio quad. You can also follow us on Twitter at the LJN and use hashtag LJN Radio. For those of you with long commutes, feel free to bring the LJN Radio quad along for the ride. You can find us on iTunes. And if you're bored because you don't have any homework and nothing else to do, (laughs) check out our podcast and plan for your future. Have a great week, everyone. For Tim Muma, Ashley Fitzgerald, and Roselle Rogers, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening. Mm